Good morning and welcome. My name is Craig Thompson and I'm the pastor here and it is our privilege to have you. I look out and I can see that summertime has arrived as I see some of the holes. Uh, I also look out and know that it's vacation Bible school week and I know that tomorrow night uh, these chairs and pews will be filled with 200 or 250 children uh, who need to hear the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I, I hope that you will be praying for Vacation Bible School. If I can look at some of my staff and ask y'all to make a reminder, tomorrow we will certainly send out a prayer list for everyone in the church. Not everybody can be a part of VBS by volunteering and being here, uh, but all of you have a part to play. And if you can't be here, I would love it if you would spend time in the coming days praying specifically for the things that we will send out to you uh, tomorrow related to Vacation Bible School. Uh, I, I do want to thank our, our musicians, our praise team, Pastor Kevin is not with us this morning. Uh, he and his family are in uh, Mississippi. His uh, wife, Deanna's mother, has been placed on inpatient hospice there. So I know they would covet your prayers uh, during these difficult days for their family. Um, they just buried her stepfather just a few weeks ago, and, and now it, it appears as though they will be burying her, her mother in, uh, in short order. So please do keep them in your prayers uh, but man, what a blessing to know uh, that uh, we can continue on uh, without missing much of a beat. So thank y'all so much uh, for stepping in and, and filling the gap there. Um, I, I, I'm grateful for that and for your willingness to do so. All right, have I mentioned everything? I was, I'm, I'm missing something. One more thing. Oh, I'm supposed to remind y'all. That was the other thing. Thank you. Uh, that we do have set up for Vacation Bible School this afternoon. What does that mean? Some of y'all are new and you're like, what does that mean? Well, let me tell you what it means. It means that as soon as service is over, if we get a few hands to pull all the chairs off the stage and Adam will show you where they're going to go. So we do need that done. But mostly what it means is that the building will be open all afternoon. Um, and uh, those of you that are volunteering with VBS and have a specific classroom, you got time to get everything decorated and set up. Those of you who don't have a particular specific place to be, uh, just come hang out. We'll find something for you to do. There's not a whole lot left, uh, but uh, well, let me back that up. There's not a whole lot left if there are a lot of hands to help. We should say that. Uh, I know that for those of you working with registration, you got a meeting at 4 o'clock, and since Kevin is not here, I, I, I magically became your staff guy in charge of that, so congratulations. Uh, so I will meet with y'all. Uh, y'all are terrible. Terrified. I know um, that just means that y'all are going to have to work that much harder. So uh, I will meet with y'all at 4 o'clock this afternoon to make sure that y'all have all the things you need. Okay, hopefully that's all the housekeeping things out of the way. If you have your Bible, we are in the book of Mark, chapter 11. I haven't preached in two weeks. Uh, I'm so excited to be back. Uh, Buster preached a couple of weeks ago. Of course, D uh, Devon preached last week and did a great job. But this morning, we're back in the book of Mark. We're going to be in the book of Mark, chapter 11, beginning in verse 27. I'm going to ask you to stand with me in honor of God's Word. And I'm going to read to you from Mark, chapter 11, verse 27. I want you to remember all the things that preceded this passage. Context is king in our understanding of the Scripture. And just prior to this event, just prior to what's going to happen right here, Jesus has cleansed the temple. He's cast out all the money changers in the temple. You'll remember he declared his authority there. He's withered the fig tree. Now he's back in the temple, and that's where we pick him up in verse 27. And they came again to Jerusalem, and as he was walking in the temple, the chief priests and the scribes and the elders came to him, and they said to him, By what authority are you doing these things? Or who gave you this authority to do them? And Jesus said to them, I will ask you one question. Answer me, and I will tell you by what authority I do these things. Was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? Answer me. And they discussed it with one another, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say, Why then did you not believe him? But, if we, but shall we say from man? 
They were afraid of the people, for all held that John was really a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we do not know. And Jesus answered them, or, and Jesus said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. Pray with me. Father God, I pray that we would hear, Lord God, not from the authority of any man, but from the authority of God's word under the inspiration of your Holy Spirit. I pray that this word would be applied not only to our ears and our minds, but all the way into our hearts. And that, Father God, we would be humbled under the mighty hand of God we would submit to the authority of Christ. We would choose this day to serve Jesus above all else. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. On whose authority? On whose authority? Can I tell you that I stand up here and preach under no one's authority except that of the Lord Jesus Christ. I hope that you'll pray for me regularly. I appreciate Ricky's prayers that the Holy Spirit would work, that God would work this morning. I need him. Everything that could go wrong today has kind of gone wrong already. I slept a little later than I should have. The coffee wasn't ready when I got up because we we didn't change the time right. Um, All those things were, were messed up. I left home, I think, for the first time in 12 years and got almost to the church and didn't have my Bible. I had to turn around and go back for my Bible. They made fun of me in life group for that this morning, a pastor without his Bible. It's kind of ridiculous. Um, So I went back and got my Bible and all my things and put them in the truck, and I came back. um, And just a few minutes ago, I I, I got everything together, and I was fixing to walk out, and I grabbed my iPad out of my bag because my iPad had been in my bedroom where it had charged. Well, apparently it had just made it back into my bedroom after one of my children had gotten a hold of it and done whatever they do with it because it didn't have a charge. I didn't check it this morning, so when I grabbed my iPad to step up here, you know what I found? Black screen that won't do anything. So we're preaching off of paper this morning. So for those of you old-timers, I'm with you today. We are analog all the way. Folks, sometimes it's just like that, isn't it? Sometimes it is. Last night didn't go well for me. And when I say it didn't go well for me, I mean it didn't go well for my family because I was in a bad mood. I don't know why. I can't explain to you why. My sweet wife looked at me and said, do you need to go somewhere? I said, I don't know, do I? (laughs) Sometimes she doesn't ask me questions. Sometimes they're more of an invitation. But she loves me enough that she actually went to that place with me and we went for a walk and it seemed to help. This morning I woke up and guess what? I didn't feel like I was in a better mood. And I prayed and I I read God's word. I I read about five or six of the Psalms this morning early. I journaled this morning and I prayed and I had to pray, Lord God, I've got to go preach. And God, I'm in a bad mood and Lord, they don't need to hear an angry sermon. And then Lord, I've got to go spend time with all these people. I, I think I said the people that I love because I was supposed to, but in that moment, I'm not sure I felt it. Because I knew that VBS stuff is this afternoon, and I know it, it's all week. And y'all, I've got a job to do in VBS. I'm the chief toilet plunger in vacation Bible school. i got to be here. And I'm in a bad mood. And I prayed, and I said, Lord God, would you change my heart today? And I had to even pray, Lord God, would you work through this sermon, no matter what you have to do to me, to get us there. Because I don't stand up here on the authority of Craig Thompson. Craig Thompson's got nothing to offer you. Except a bad mood. But Jesus gives life. And God's word gives hope. For all of eternity. So I stand before you this morning asking on whose authority. 
But I answer my own question by saying I don't stand on my own authority. I don't even stand on the authority of Malvern Hill Baptist Church. Ultimately, I answer to the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And He is my King. It's that King, that Savior, that Jesus who was walking through the temple courts. And there as he walked, he was confronted by the religious leaders of his day. And they said, who do you think you are? Folks, this morning, we need to pull that out of its historical context and chew it up and swallow it into our own cultural context and wrestle with this question, under whose authority do you stand? On whose authority do you rest? Who's in charge of your life? How do we get there? The first thing you've got to, get, you've got to do is look to Jesus. Look at Jesus. Look! Why in the world did the religious leaders feel the need to question Jesus? Have you ever wondered that? Like, as you walk through this, we need to ask questions. Why did they feel the need? They had a reason. I mean, they weren't just walking around catching everybody they could find and going, Who do you think you are and under what authority do you find yourself? That'd be kind of strange. They walk around, they go, oh, you know. But there was a reason that this Jesus is walking and these people confront him and they say, who do you think you are? Why? The reason is because they'd been looking at Jesus. They'd been staring at Jesus. They'd been watching Jesus. They had heard Jesus. They had seen Jesus. They had experienced the work of Jesus. The religious leaders were intimidated by Jesus because he didn't speak act, or live the way they did. In fact, it was just the opposite. You remember what the people said. He speaks as one who has authority and not like our religious leaders. When Jesus walked into the temple, remember what we said a few weeks ago. He had already gone in there just a day earlier, and he put his foot down and he said, This is my house. Jesus walked in and declared himself to be the rightful king over Israel and the rightful ruler of the temple. And he threw everybody out that didn't have any business being in there. He threw out the people who were responsible for abusing the others spiritually and emotionally. Those who were stealing from them and those who were taking advantage of God's temple. He declared himself to be the rightful ruler. And and throughout all of those who were using the temple... For selfish gain. Folks, you need to look at Jesus. Look at him when he's on the move. Because I'm going to tell you something. When Jesus is moving, you can't help but see him. You can't help but notice him. When Jesus is active, he upsets the world around him. I urge you, look at Jesus. But listen, look at the real Jesus. Not the pop culture Jesus or the Jesus of your own imagination, look at the real, dyed-in-the-wool Jesus. What's that look like? You ever had a misconception of somebody? When Angela and I were still in the process of fostering and adopting, we had a run-in with some state-level executives um, with, with DSS. They, we, you, you have to go through all these things to be able to foster. It's, you you got to have all these licenses and all this um, certifications, and one of the things they have to do is they have to do an inspection of a fire inspection of your home every single year. 
um, and, and, and they do that. The whole time you're a foster parent to make sure, uh, I, I guess to make sure nothing changes, but uh, you got to have working smoke detectors and windows have got to be a certain size. And all of a sudden there's, there's somebody from the state that comes out. And, and so we got notification that they were going to come on a certain day. Seems like it was a Thursday. Maybe it was a Wednesday. Uh, they're going to come out to your house. Sometime, it's, like, it's like dealing with the cable company. Sometime between 11 and 4. Well, you know, we have lives and we work, and so we exchanged some emails and said, you know, I, I, I said, I will be eight minutes from my house all day Thursday from 11 to 4. Please give me a phone call when you're on the way so I can meet you there. Well, we didn't get a phone call when they were on the way. Instead, Angela got a phone call to let us know that the fire inspector had come to our house and had left because no one was there. I wasn't happy. Especially when they said, this has got to be done. You've got to, you're, you're going to lose your certification tomorrow. Well, you know, that, okay, what, what, what are we going to do? So we began calling, trying to find somebody that could give us some answers and a supervisor. Um, and uh, um, we finally got, somebody called me back. Could I speak with Craig Thompson? I said, this is Craig Thompson. She said, I said, are you so-and-so's boss? Well, I just need to talk with you. I said, I don't need to talk with anybody that's not in charge. Are you in charge? That's all that matters. I just need to know if you can fix this for me. And these were her words. Sir, you need to cooperate with me if you want to keep your children. (sighs) Ginger was in the office that day. They heard me down the hall. I don't know if anybody's ever threatened to take your children from you. I did not handle that well. I was in one of those bad moods all over again. I said, excuse me? Did you threaten to take my children? That's not what I said. That's exactly what you said. You will not take my children. Needless to say, after that, we weren't the most popular people with DSS. After that, people came to our house in pairs. I don't know what they thought we, I mean, Angela's five foot two. I don't know what they thought was happening at our home. But there was this one guy that showed up one day. And he got out of the car, and Angela and I both had to be there to meet him. He got out of the car, and we're sitting in the kitchen. And I said, I, I, I said honey, I wonder who's in the passenger seat. And nobody else got out. And I couldn't believe it. And he walked on in, and he sat down at our table, and we began to talk. And, and, and I said, brother, I said, I just... One apology. I said, I, I, I'm sure you've heard some bad things about us. I said, I'd, I'd really like to get off to a good foot, uh, on, on a good foot. Um, I said, I, I, I'm, I'm a little surprised you're here by yourself. Nobody comes to our house by themselves anymore. And this is what he said. He said, you know, I, I like to form my own opinion about people. He said, I have discovered that sometimes what people have to say isn't the truth. He said, so I want to sit across the table from you and get to know you. I said, well, I appreciate that. I said, do you think we're all right? He said, I think y'all are great. I said, man, I love you. You're the man. Well, you know what? That, that, guy, that guy discovered that we weren't the devil, right? And, and, and we didn't want to be. I just didn't want somebody to threaten to take my children from me. He got to know me, but I appreciate it. He said, I want to know you. He said, I, I don't care what I've heard. I want to know you. Folks, I'm curious. Do you know Jesus? Like the real Jesus. Not the Jesus somebody else explained. Not the Jesus of pop culture. Not the Jesus of your own imagination. The Jesus of this Bible. Do you know him? 
Do you know him? Do you know the Jesus who said hard things and ruffled lots of feathers? Do you know the Jesus who rubbed shoulders with the outcasts and, 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 and the, the, the down and out? Do you know that Jesus? Do you know that Jesus who didn't have a place to lay his head, but he continued to serve the Lord? Do you know that Jesus? Do you know that Jesus who was humble and obedient all the way to the point of death, even death on a rugged, nasty cross? That Jesus who loved us when we were yet sinners. Do you know him? That is the Jesus that the religious leaders were uncomfortable with. You see, this was a Jesus that made everybody a little bit uncomfortable. This was the Jesus that made his own disciples uncomfortable sometimes. I told you a few weeks ago, and I'll say it to you again, if Jesus hasn't made you uncomfortable, you might not actually know him. Because he will rub you the wrong way. Because his desire, his intent, his promise, in fact, is to complete that which he started in you. And folks, he's not content to save you from your sins and leave you as you are. He saves you and changes you and molds you and makes you. Because he's a good loving Savior who longs to see the best in His children. Look to Jesus. We live in a culture that is opposed to authority. Adults don't like authority. Teens don't like authority. Uh, kids don't like authority. And then to top it all off, parents aren't behaving as the authority of their own kids. As a result, Jesus is not popular. Not the Jesus of the Bible. Folks, can I tell you a secret? I want you to listen. I want you to listen. Jesus wasn't popular in his own day either. People go, oh, our culture shifted. Folks, the culture might have shifted, but the culture is not in new territory. Jesus was not popular in his own day. And if he's not popular today, it's okay. He's not trying to win a popularity contest. He came to seek and to save the lost. And he's commissioned us to be his agents of change in the world, proclaiming the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Look at Jesus, the real Jesus. As you wrestle with your own questions of authority, consider why it is that Jesus might be willing, might be able to demand authority in your own life, authority over the entire world. Consider that perhaps he is the creator and the sustainer of everything you've ever known. And that as the creator and the sustainer, he's Lord and King. And he is deserving of your worship. Look at Jesus. Second this morning, consider your motives. When the religious leaders began to question Jesus, I want you to look at exactly what they said. They said, by what authority are you doing these things? Or who gave you this authority to do them? Now, I've told you before, and I'll say it again, it's important that we take God's Word out of our Disney movie mentality. Okay? We need to occasionally pull this into a 21st century conversation in East Camden, South Carolina. And if somebody is just wandering around our church and you pull up in the middle of the night and they're just wandering around. Or, or if, if somebody walks out they, to patrol our parking lot today and they just see somebody wandering through the cars, this is what they might say. What are you doing here? Who told you you could be here? Folks, do you understand that when they looked at Jesus, they didn't go, on whose authority are you here, sir? This is an accusation. Who do you think you are? 
You've come in here. You've run everybody out. You've declared yourself to be the king and the ruler. Who do you think you are? Jesus says, well, who do you think I am? <laughs> right? He's a little craftier than that, though, isn't he? Jesus says, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. You answer my question, I'll answer yours. John the Baptist, who gave him authority? Who was John? Folks, we have to be careful judging motives, but Mark, Mark gives us some insight into the motives of this religious, these religious leaders by recording their conversation with one another. Look at what they said. Uh, uh, if we say from heaven, then, then he'll say, why didn't you believe him? But, but if we say from man, then these people are going to stone us. I, ah, what, 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 what are we going to do? And then they, so they, they pull the, the easy card out. Well, we don't know. I don't know. Can you imagine when I'm looking at the other one going, no, you tell him. No, you, you say, look, Jesus, we, we don't know, okay? Well, of course they had some idea, right? They should at least say what they believe. They're not going to because why? This is how they determine what to believe. They lick their finger, they put it up in the air, and they wait to see which way the wind's going. And they go, oh, okay, well, we're in a, in a place where there's lots of people that trust John. So we go, that John, he must have been a good guy. I can't believe Herod did what he did. But perhaps they're among the leadership and they put their finger up in the air and they go, oh, the wind's blowing this way. That John was nothing but a, but a problem. It's a good thing that Herod got rid of him. But here they find themselves in the temple surrounded by the people, confronted by the God-man himself, knowing that he's not going to let them go. Well, who do you say he is? Listen to me, for those of you who are unwilling to submit to Jesus' authority, why? 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 What are your motives? Do you honestly wrestle with whether or not the Bible is true? Or do you just wrestle with whether or not you like the truth that is contained in the Bible? See, there's a difference right there. There's a difference. There's, there's a, a real wrestling with whether or not I believe the Bible, with whether or not the Bible contains truth. Maybe even a real wrestling with whether or not Jesus was who he said he was. Devon preached to us last week, did a really good job explaining to us the facts of God's Word. Right? You have to wrestle with the facts of God's Word. And if the facts support this, then we've got to decide whether or not we're going in that direction. But there's a different kind of wrestling that's especially prominent in our world today. It gets masked as something that, that looks like authenticity. And it's a kind of wrestling that just says, well, I don't know. Well, I don't know. What do you think? Well, folks, let me tell you something. At some point, we're going to have to make a decision. We're going to have to choose. Jesus confronted these religious leaders. Don't miss that. These are religious leaders. These are the leaders of the Jewish religion in their day. The scribes, the Pharisees, and the elders. And he confronts them and he says, John the Baptist, the most popular preacher of the day, Tell me this, was that prophet a man of God or was he a man of his own authority? You tell me. The religious leaders put their hands in their pockets and they go, we don't know. Folks, can I tell you that you don't have that privilege? You don't have that privilege. Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. But why didn't Jesus come into the world to condemn the world? Because the world stood already condemned. 
Do you understand that? When people say Jesus didn't come to condemn, it's because he didn't have to come to condemn. We are born in sin. We are born in need of a Savior. He came to offer the solution because the problem was already present. Consider your motives. Why do you question God's word? Why? I find that many people who question God's word don't question God's word because they're genuinely wrestling with the scholarly arguments. They're genuinely wrestling with whether or not it's true. They're genuinely wrestling with whether or not it's all what it says. Instead, we usually begin our wrestling with God's word this way. Well, I'm not really comfortable with that. Can I tell you about a time I wrestled with God's word? I was a college um, junior maybe, sophomore, junior, somewhere in that range. I, I don't recall now um, the exact age I was. And um, there, there at Presbyterian College, I was a Christian studies major. Um, God had called me to ministry. I'd submitted to, surrendered to God's call. Uh, I was pursuing that call in my life. Um, and, and, and there in pursuit of that call, I was wrestling with what did I believe about God's word. And, and I, I was doing so in a college environment that did not hold to the veracity of God's Word as the 100% inspired and infallible truth. And there in that place, I had opportunities to encounter people that believed God's Word very differently than I did. And, and there was one young lady who was, uh, in her mind, called to the pastorate. She, she was called to be a pastor. And she asked me about that one day, and I just kind of flippantly ignored the question. I really didn't, didn't try to be ugly. I just wasn't going to engage the conversation. And, and I really offended her, and I made her cry. I don't like tears. Y'all have heard me say this. This was long before I discovered my secret of mints that stop people from crying. If I had a pocket full of peppermints, maybe I could have avoided this. But instead, she cried. And she said, how would you like it if somebody said that you couldn't fulfill what you believed God had called you to do? And so in that moment, I made it my goal to affirm women as pastors. That was my goal in life as a very young man. And I began to seek diligently for an opportunity to affirm women in that role. And I studied and I read and I worked. And at the end of a period of several months, I finally came to a conclusion. And the conclusion I came to was that God's word couldn't support or didn't support what I wanted it to say. Do you understand that I didn't begin that quest going, what does God's word say? I began that quest saying, this is what I want God's word to say. This is what I want to be true. And so I began to challenge everything in there that went against what I wanted it to say. Folks, I'm so grateful that I grew up in a church and I had parents who drugged me kicking and screaming to a church where I was taught over and over and over again that the Word of God is true and trustworthy from Genesis to Revelation and nothing in the middle of it is error. I reached a point in time where I had to answer this question. Either I am right or God's Word is right, but both of them can't be true. Because I had parents who had drugged me to church over and over and over again and exposed me to the Bible over and over and over again. I knew that even if I didn't like it, that God's word was right and Craig Thompson was wrong. Consider your motives, folks. 
Are your motives pure as you seek to poke holes in God's word? Or are your motives selfish? What were the motives of these men? The motives were to get Jesus out of the way. Of course, we don't have to guess on that because we're going to see that in just a few days they were going to do just that. The motives were to embarrass Jesus. Who do you think you are? Because if they could have gotten him to say, well, I'm the son of God, right there in the middle of the temple, guess what they could have done? They could have drug him out kicking and screaming right there on the spot. Consider your motives. Side note, there's, let's take a, we got, oh yeah, we got a minute. So, side note, the, 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 the numbers came out for uh, Southern Baptist Church just in the past few weeks, and they're, 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 they're depressing. Uh, nationally, the, the, the Southern Baptist Church is, is in decline. Uh, our baptism numbers are in decline. Um, and, and right now, there's a belief, um, and, and it's, it's not 100%, they're still working through it, but the, the, the common belief right now is that we're losing about 50% of our young people from the church. 50% of those who grow up in the church are being lost. Can, can I share a number with you? Listen, in most churches, the goal for small group, life group attendance, Sunday school, whatever term you want to use, the goal in most churches is to have 50% of their people plugged into a discipleship group. Now, I just want us to consider that we're losing 50% of our young people. And only 50% of the people that show up in church on a regular basis are actually really, truly engaged in discipleship. And I just... Just curious if maybe there might be a correlation. That maybe the 50% of the kids that we're losing, a significant portion of that 50% is not actually plugged into the church. Mom and daddy didn't drag them on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday. And you go, well, that's outdated. You're just old, Craig. I'm actually not that old. The the, the beard makes me look pretty old. I'm, I'm not that old. I'm 38, okay? That's young. It's young. It's young. But I am convinced that unless we regularly and repeatedly expose our children to the things of God, the people of God, and the place of God, then we are sacrificing their future. Consider your motives. What are the motives that we have when we, when we don't show up on a Wednesday night or when we don't make our kids come to life group or when we don't engage in life group? Well, I was just tired. Okay, great. That's fine. But you're going to stand one day before judgment and have to say, well, I was tired so I didn't drag my children to those things. And as a result, the church just didn't matter that much. Well, pastor, I brought them them every Sunday. Look look here. Look here. You think that in an hour a week you're going to combat all of the outside influences of the world. Folks, there's no place in the world where that even makes sense, logically. Consider your motives. Consider your motives. Last one. I'm going to get off this pulpit and just this bullet pulpit. Last one. Consider your motives. Well, I didn't want to make them come up there and help set up for VBS. I didn't want to make them come and help set up for that thing. I didn't want them to show up to, just to help do a church cleanup day. Folks, consider why. Well, they griped about it. You know what? That's okay. You know what happened? You would be surprised. I love it. Several, weeks, several years ago, we had a church cleanup day. And, and 
David Hance is sitting behind me. That's who it was. I looked up, and there were two of my kids with David Hance cleaning something. Okay? I couldn't care less if they know how to clean it. I'm sorry, David. It's true. I don't really care if they know how to clean it. That's fine. I know that hurts your heart. But, man, I was glad to see them spending time with another man of God who was building relationships so that they could have conversations later on. And you have no idea what you might be missing. Okay, moving on. Consider your motives when you consider how it is that you interact with God's Word. Consider your motives when you consider how it is you interact with His church. And then finally this morning, choose your master. Do you know the religious leaders in Jesus' day took the coward's way out? The coward's way out. They, they really sound much more like 21st century skeptics than they do leaders and scholars. Rather than wrestle with the question of ultimate authority, they, they simply replied, well, we don't know. We do not know. I had a conversation with somebody um, just a few weeks ago. I'd, I'd sent a list of questions um, that I'd labored over, and, and I, I sat down then uh, after a scheduled, carefully a, a long scheduled meeting, and I was waiting for that person to answer the six questions, and not one single question was answered directly. Why? Why? I don't know why, but... But the religious leaders get this one question from Jesus and they take the coward's way out. We don't know. you got to plant your flag somewhere, folks. Reveling in ignorance is not a sign of authenticity. At best, it is a sign of laziness. And at worst, it is a sign of intellectual foolishness. Came across this this week in the scriptures. The ones called bold and courageous held fast to the teachings of the apostles. The ones who created their own truth in order to accommodate, appease, and receive applause were known as fools rather than brave. It was those kinds of activities that Paul warned Timothy against. Timothy, they're going to come in, and they're going to long for you to itch their ear or scratch their itching ears. They're going to long for you to distort the truth and preach them what they want to hear. Somehow in our culture today, we've flipped it around and we've said that that is good and truth is bad. Folks, let me tell you that that just doesn't work with God's word. Choose you this day whom you will serve. Know something and stand on it. Remember what people said about Jesus. He spoke as one who had authority, not as one of the scribes. Contrast Jesus, confident teachings with the flippant foolishness of the religious leaders. And we wonder why in the world the people didn't want to hear them. Folks, can I tell you that the people didn't want to hear the religious leaders of Jesus' time because they didn't have anything to say. But Jesus turned the world upside down. Who was their master? For these religious leaders, their stomach and their wallet was their master. They stuck their finger in the air to determine the direction of the wind and followed it. Jesus spoke truth no matter what it cost him. Folks, the truths of God's word are not popular today. But we are called to stand on those truths. Joshua urged the Israelites as they entered the promised land, choose you this day whom you will serve. Folks, I stand before you today and I urge you the same thing. Choose you this day. Will you honor Jesus with your lips or will you serve him with your life? Will you do more than attend church services? Will you be the church in the community around us? Parents, will you do more than wring your hands about your children? Will you pour out your tears for them in prayer and disciple them into a relationship with Jesus? Choose to follow Jesus. Choose to speak truth. Choose to trust Jesus. Choose to live under the authority of Jesus. Choose to live under the authority of God's Word. Choose to live under the authority of God's church and her leaders. Choose you this day. You aren't promised tomorrow. Choose you this day. 
Your kids need you now. Choose you this day. Your co-workers need Jesus Christ. Choose you this day because your church needs you. Choose you this day because if you don't, you might not have an opportunity to choose to follow Jesus in the future. Choose this day because it is appointed for man to die once and after that to face the judgment. Choose this day because if you don't choose Jesus, then at the end of all things, he will choose for you. Choose you this day because the day is coming when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord and you will bow in worship and adoration of your King in heaven or you will bow in worship and adoration of the King who has overcome you and defeated you and cast your soul into hell. Choose this day because Jesus has chosen to love you in your sin and has given you an opportunity to be saved from your sin. Choose you this day because he has set you as watchmen in this community, proclaiming the warnings to the people around us. Turn, repent. Choose this day because in love Christ has chosen to die for you. Choose this day Because Christianity is about far more than showing up on a Sunday morning. Choose this day. Because Jesus has ultimate authority. Because Jesus is the King. And He's worthy of your worship. Choose this day while there's time. Don't wait. So the invitation is simple. Would you choose Christ today? Believers in Jesus, would you choose to honor Him with more than your lips? Would you choose to honor Him with your entire life? Would you do that? Is there anybody this morning who would come and bow under the mighty hand of Jesus and say, Lord God, I need to give you my whole life. Every decision, every action, every activity. Jesus, I need to trust you with the hard things. Perhaps there's one today who would say, Lord Jesus, I need to trust you with my soul today. Save me. Whatever it is that the Lord might be leading you into, would you come and trust Him? Would you come and surrender to Him? Would you come and give your life to Jesus Christ? He's the King, I tell you. And He's worthy of all worship and praise and adoration. And He's enough. He loves you. Would you come today as we pray? Father God in heaven, Jesus is enough. He's the King. He's our Savior and our Lord. And Lord God, as He walked through the temple and He declared Your truths, Father God, He was worthy of worship then and He's worthy of worship now. Lord, He came to seek and to save the lost. And Father God, today I believe from the bottom of my heart that He's calling the lost to Himself. That He's calling the church to Himself, Lord God. And that You're calling us to trust You completely. So that our lives may be changed. So that our communities may be changed. So that, Lord God, one soul at a time, this world might be changed. Lord, would you work among us in Christ's name. Amen.